0: Hi there, this is Chad Taylor calling in.
1: Hey, what's going on? It's Sean from MGM. Hey, man, how are things? Things are good, man. How's everything going with you?
0: It's going just fine. Awesome. It's going pretty well, man. Good. I'm sorry I'm a few minutes late. I got backed up. Actually, I was, I was doing favors for my wife
1: on the honeydew do list. <laughs> we, we all have those. Of course, absolutely. It's great to talk to you, man. I've been a big fan alive Live uh, since the first time I heard throwing copper. And, of course, you're going to be doing that record its entirety here at the House of Blues on October 5th, man. We're looking forward to having you.
0: Hey man, I, I'm really excited to come down and to do this. Uh, you know, it's, a lot, it's been a band now for 28 years, and we've never played a single album uh, front to back during that time period. It's just, I don't know, the occasion's never come up. So Atlantic City's going to have a very, very uh, special event, and uh, all the guys in the band are pumped, and everybody's super excited to be in Atlantic City.
1: Now, uh, going back and revisiting uh, some of the material on Throwing Copper, obviously, uh, you play a lot of the hits You know, every night you play, but uh, some of the stuff stuff. Stuff you hadn't played in a while. Was it difficult to uh, relearn? Well,
0: rehearsals are going to start about a week out from the show. We're going to do four or five rehearsals, so hopefully we'll get it together by then. I've been going to the gym every day, and I like I pop up on my uh, on my iPhone. I put the uh, I've been putting on the Throwing Copper record and listening to it. It's the first time that I've listened to it really in its entirety since it was released. And uh, you know I'm really proud of the work that's on there. And I mean, surprisingly enough, I I was also pleased with the fact that it seems like the material's really held up over time.
1: Now it was a uh, it's one of the best uh, rock records of the 90s. One of the best record of the uh, of the 90s. You guys were everywhere at that point in time. What's it like going out on tour with a new lead singer you've been doing this for a few years now correct yeah well
0: chris shin is our uh lead singer now Uh, he's been in the band for just about three years and it's been fantastic we just did a nine-week tour of america and uh it's really our first really large tour with chris and i was so pleased that the fans that live fans everywhere really embraced the guy chris is you know i mean obviously he's special been into really big shoes with that legacy that Ed left uh, in the band, but I, I think this is a situation where you know live fans are just you know they've stayed so active with us. They've seen the trials and tribulations of, of us grow as a band, and so I think that everybody won out. You know Ed's been making solo music and putting that out, and the fans are really happy with that. And, and of course they've really loved the live stuff too, despite what everybody might think. Which is a really interesting thing about bands. Is I, I really had to learn this firsthand. Bands do break up in their own weird way. But but there's a lot of room for forgiveness and for uh, love and tolerance and understanding. And uh, I gotta say that the live fan base, uh, just watching from a distance, like for example, what the guys in Stone Temple Pilots have been going through, we experienced nothing like that.
1: I was surprised. Uh, you know, I didn't really. I kind of lost track. Alive. I know you guys were kind of. I don't want to say hiatus, but with everything going on between the band and Ed and and uh, not really doing anything, and then I, I saw you guys were touring. I was I was very curious, and I haven't had a chance to see uh, you guys with Christian, so I'm looking forward to. Uh, October fifth, and and you you did explain it. I was wondering what the crowd reaction was with the new lead singer because live when I when I think alive, I think of a, a unit of four guys that I watched for you know a good twenty years, and you guys were a complete band. There was no one member that was more important than the other. So uh, I'm glad to hear that everyone's welcoming him in, and uh, it should be a lot of fun here in Atlantic City. Yeah,
0: and you know it's one of those things where. I have to honestly say, I mean, I really was hesitant to consider doing live music without Ed. You know, you have to understand Ed and I were friends and and remained acquaintances uh, since, I don't know, whatever, the third grade. Mm -hmm. We knew each other forever. I really, you know, I struggled with it. And then, you know, we decided to see what it would be like to play the songs with someone else, and that someone else happened to be Chris. And I got to tell you, it, it, it brought a renewed energy and fire to the band. And and I think, I mean, we needed that, whether Ed was in the band or out of the band. The reality is, you said you lost track of live. Well, to tell you the truth, the members of Live had really lost track of live. And I think that part of this uh, reformation, if you will, is this chance to realize that early stage energy. I would probably say that, you know, that live sounds more like live circa 95 right now than probably we ever have. Uh, there's a just a renewed vigor and energy. And I tell everybody, you know, come out now and see the shows. I have no idea, you know. Live has a 28-year touring history. I don't know how much longevity we have in our bones to, you know, go out and do really lengthy tours. Not to say that we don't have longevity as a band. I know that our willingness to actively tour is uh, is diminishing.
1: Have you guys done any new music with uh, Chris?
0: Yeah, we're we're knee deep. But we're, I'm literally uh, driving to the studio right now. We're knee deep into working on a record with Jerry Harrison back at the helm. Uh, Jerry, of course, is from the Talking Heads. For your listeners that don't know. And, uh, you know, Jerry produced mental jewelry and throwing copper and the distance here for live. Uh, so, you know, there's a great lineage there that goes all the way back to live, of course, being signed out of CBGBs, and the parking heads came out of mm-hmm. Uh So it's a little part of our rock and roll history.
1: Are, are, are the band and edge just completely severed? Is, is that relationship completely gone now?
0: You know, it's interesting. I, I've never really been particularly good at goodby- goodbyes, but one of the things I've learned during this process is to say goodbye. Um, that era was one that you know I'll never forget, and I'm completely and utterly tied to, and I have great respect uh and devotion for that time period of the, of my life, but I will say that we grew as uh as as men do, and Ed's interests are not the band's interests, and you know that's really where the divide started. It wasn't necessarily a musical divide; it was you know where our spirits were at as human beings uh Ed had a calling to do solo music and to work that way we had a calling to do a band. As as important as Ed thought it was to do a solo career, we thought it was equally important to remain a band. Uh, So that was probably the rub and the the primary difference was just how we saw music and what was important. You had mentioned that you always saw live as a unit, as a band. That was part of, you know, sort of a a credo that we followed that everyone would contribute, everyone would be involved. And when that started to be limited or, or shuttered, Uh, That just went, I don't know, to me, that went right across the grain of what I really believe to be the key element in music. Well, I love ensemble music, let's put it that way. Mm -hmm. So, for example, like, actually a real argument in between Ed and I was, Ed said to me, you know, this is bullshit, or excuse my language, you can bleep that out, but he said this is, uh, you know, uh, 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 crap or whatever, and that, you know, he said that you and I are the Keith and Mick of this band or the John and Paul or whatever. And I wrote him back, and I literally said, man, I said, you know, that's the difference between you and I. You know, yeah, we might be the Mick and the Keith, but, like, I was a Brian Jones fan. Like, you know, (laughs) I, I was into the band. I'm a Charlie Watts fan and a Bill Wyman fan, and how those guys played together is what made the Rolling Stones magical. In my opinion, what Ed was lacking was that he couldn't see that magic. He was just seeing... He's coming at it from being a songwriter or a creative person. I was saying, you know, that's uh, not really how I see it. So fundamentally, that's where we fell apart. That's where the difference was. And I want to say this. It's much, much harder to be in a band. I mean, trust me, there are days when I want to sit there and tell Chad Gracie, look, just shut up and play your damn drum part. But to <laughs> Chad Gracie's credit, what he'd say back to me is, look, man, I'll play my drum part when you give me something worthy of playing. Okay. You know, like give me something to play to that gives me some, you know, some some push pull." Some energy and that's the dynamic that made live a great band it was that we i mean really we're all stubborn guys at the end of the day who are all incredibly talented individually but where we really came to be our best is when you put us together in a room and really that's you know that's why i love the who it's why i love you too it's why i love the rolling stones It's why i love led zeppelin it's why i love acdc all these groups are bands. it's not about any one person uh, you know, even a, even a group like R.E.M., I always thought it was fascinating that Michael Pike didn't play an instrument. You know, his instrument was his voice. He was completely codependent on everybody else that was in the band. And, uh, you know, and by the way, R.E.M.'s a great example. You know, uh, you know they they uh, they literally stayed united, uh, you know, until the very end. I mean, you know, I know that their drummer retired and left originally, but, you know, they stayed united and then finally said, OK, we've said what we've said musically, and they basically all laid it down. I just think it's super cool. Uh, We haven't had that moment with live. We haven't had that moment yet where we said we're all going to lay it down. But also, one of the things I learned from this, I I figured live would just go on forever and ever. And the one thing is for sure is it didn't. You know, Our relationship with Ed changed. It splintered. And that came to an end. And so now I don't take anything in the band for granted. I don't know how many more shows there will be or how many more albums. I certainly want to make more. But at the same time, I'm a realist and say, you know, you got to get your tickets and get your experience while you can. I think that in particular, you know, Atlantic City, a a a once-in-a-lifetime chance to hear us play Throwing Copper. You know, I'm a little nervous about doing it because I've never done anything like that. But at the same time, that nervousness I know is going to be shared with the audience and then turn into, you know, palpable energy.
1: We're looking forward to it. We're very excited for the big show here in Atlantic City, October 5th. Throwing Copper in its entirety, I know I'll be there. I mean, uh, just part of the soundtrack of me growing up. I mean, that record came out when I was in high school, and I I just remember playing it over and over again, seeing you guys on tour several times through the year. So I'm looking forward to it, man. I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, The best of luck with Live, man, and uh, we'll see you October 5th.
0: Absolutely. See you guys there.